Hello everyone, welcome back to my podcast. I am your host, Isabella Gutierrez, and we're going to continue reading The Scarlet Letter, Chapter 19, The Child at the Brookside. Now, without further ado, happy listening. Thou wilt love her dearly, repeated Hester Prine, as she and the minister sat watching Pearl. Dost thou not think her beautiful? And see, with that natural skill she has made those simple flowers adorn her. Had she gathered pearls and diamonds and rubies in the wood, they would, they could have not become her better. She is a splendid child, but I know whose brow she has. Dost thou know, Hester, said Arthur Dimsdale with an unquiet smile, that this dear child... Tripping about always at thy side hath caused me many an alarm. Methought, O oh Hester, what a thought that is, and how terrible to dread it, that my own features are partly repeated in her face, and so strikingly that she that the world might see them. But she is mostly thine. No, no, not mostly, answered her mother with a tender smile. A little longer, and thou needest not to be afraid to trace whose child she is. But how strangely beautiful she looks, with those wild flowers in her hair. It is as if one of the fairies whom we left in our dear old England had decked her out to meet us. It was with a feeling which neither of them had ever before experienced that they sat and watched Pearl's show slow advance. In her was visible the tie that united them. She had been offered to the world these seven years past as the living hieroglyphic in which was revealed the secret they so darkly sought to hide. All are written in this symbol, all plainly manifest. Had there been a prophet or magician skilled to read the character of flame, and Pearl was the oneness of their being, be the foregone evil what it might, how could they doubt that their early lives and future destinies were conjoined, when they beheld at once the material union and the spiritual idea in whom they met and were to dwell in mortality together? Those thoughts like these, and perhaps other thoughts which they did not acknowledge or define, threw an awe about the child as she came onward. Let her see nothing strange, no passion nor eagerness, in thy way of accosting her, whispered Hester. Our Pearl is a fitful and fantastic little elf sometimes, especially she is seldom tolerant of emotion, when she does not fully comprehend the why and wherefore. But the child hath strong affection, she loves me, and will love thee. Thou canst not think, said the minister, glancing aside Hester Prime, how my heart dreads this interview, and yearns for it. But, in truth, I already told thee, children are not readily one to be familiar with me. They will not climb my knee, nor prattle in my ear, nor answer to my smile, but stand apart, and eyes and I me strangely. Even little babies, when take them in my arms, whip, weep bitterly. Yet Pearl, twice in her little lifetime, hath been kind to me. The first time thou knowest well was last when thou lest her to thee to the house of yonder stern old governor. Wilt thou didst plead so bravely in her behalf and mine, answered the mother. I remember it, and so shall little Pearl. Fear nothing. She may be strange and shy at first, but will soon learn to love thee. By this time, Pearl had reached the margin of the brook and stood on the, far- the farther side, gra- gazing silently at Hester and the clergyman, who still sat together on the mossy tree trunk, waiting to receive her. Just where she had paused, the brook chanced to form a pool, so smooth and quiet that it reflected the perfect image of her little figure, with all the brilliant 
picturesqueness of her beauty, in its adornment of flowers and weathered foliage, but more refined the spiritualized and spiritualized than the re reality. This image, so nearly identical with the living pearl, seemed to communicate someone of its own shadowy and intangible quality to the child herself. It was strange, the way in which Pearl stood looking so steadfastly at them through the dim medium of the forest gloom, herself, meanwhile, all glorified with a ray of sunshine that was attracted with her hitherward as by a certain sympathy. In the brook beneath stood another child, another and the same, with likewise its ray of golden light. Hester felt herself in some indistinct and tantalizing manner estranged from pearl as if the child in her lonely ramble through the forest had strayed out of the sphere in which she and her mother dwelt together and was now vainly seeking to return it there was both truth and error in the impression the child and and mother were estranged but through hester's fault not pearl's since the latter rambled from her side another intimate had been admitted within the circle of the mother's feelings and so modified the aspect of them all that pearl the returning wanderer could not find her wanted place and hardly knew where she was i have a st strange fancy observed the sensitive minister that this brook is the boundary between two worlds and that thou canst never meet thy pearl again or is she an elfish spirit who as legends of her childhood taught us is forbidden to cross a running stream Pray hest in her, for this delay has already imparted a tremor to my nerves. Come, dearest child, said Hester encouragingly, and stretched out both her arms. How slow thou art! When hast thou been so sluggish before now? Here is a friend of mine, who must be thy friend also. Wilt thou have twice as much love henceforth as thy mother alone could give thee? Leap across the brook and come to us. Thou canst sleep like a young deer." Pearl, without responding in any manner to these honey-sweet expressions, remained on the other side of the brook. Now she fixed her bright, wild eyes on her mother, now on the minister, and now included them both in the same glance, as if to detect and explain to herself the relation which before they bore to one another. For some unaccountable reason, as Arthur Dimsdale felt the child's eyes upon himself, his his hand, with that gesture so habitual as to become involuntary, stole over his heart. At length, assuming a singular air of authority, Pearl stretched out her hand with a small forefinger extended and pointing evidently towards her mother's breast. And beneath, in the mirror of the brook, there was a flower-griddled and sunny image of little Pearl pointing her small forefinger too. Thou strange child, why dost thou not come to me? exclaimed Hester. Pearl still pointed with her forefinger, and a frown gathered on her brow. The more impressive from the childish, the almost baby-like aspect of her features that conveyed it. As her mother still kept beckoning her, and arraying her face in a holiday suit of unaccustomed smiles, the child stamped her foot with yet another imperious look and gesture. In the brook again was the fantastic beauty of the image, with its reflected frown, its pointed finger, and imperious gesture giving emphasis to the aspect of little Pearl. Haston Pearl, or I shall be angry with thee, cried Hester Prine, who, whoever inured to this behavior of the elf child's 
part at any seasons, was naturally anxious for a more seemly deportment now. Leap across the brook, naughty child, and run hither, else I must come to thee. But Pearl, not a whit startled by her mother's threats, and any more than modified by her entreaties, now suddenly burst into a fit of passion, gesticulating violently and throwing her small figure into the most extravagant contortions. She accompanied this with wild outbreak of piercing shrieks, which the wood reverberated on all sides, so that alone if she was in her childish and unreasonable wrath, it seemed as if a hidden multitude were lending her their sympathy and encouragement. Seen in the brook once more was the shadowy wrath of Pearl's image, crowned and glided, griddled with flowers, but stamping its foot, wildly gesticulating, and in the midst of all, still pointing with its small forefinger at Hester's bosom. I see what ails the child, whispered Hester to the clergyman, turning pale in spite of a strong effort to conceal her trouble and annoyance. Children will not abide by any. The slightest change in the accustomed aspect of things that they're daily before their eyes. Pearl misses something which she has always seen me wear. I pray you, answered the minister, if thou hast any means of pacifying the child, do it forthwith. Save it were the crankered wrath of an old witch like Mistress Hibbins, added her he, attempting to smile. I know nothing that I would not sooner encounter than this passion in a child. In Pearl's young beauty, as in the wrinkled rich, it has a per preternatural effect. Pacify her if thou lovest me. Hester turned again towards Pearl, with a crimson blush upon her cheek, a conscious glance aside at the clergyman, and then a heavy sigh. While even before she had time to speak, the blush yielded to a deadly pallor. Pearl, said she sadly, look down at thy feet, there before thee, on hither side of the brook. The child turned her eyes to the point indicated, and there lay the scarlet leather, so close upon the margin of the stream, and the gold embroidery was reflected on it. Bring it hither, said Hester. Come thou, and we'll take it up, answered Pearl. Was ever such a child, observed Hester, aside to the minister. Oh, I have much to tell thee about her, but in very truth she is right as regards this hateful token. I must bear its torture yet a little longer, only a few days longer, until we shall have left this region and look back hither as to a land which we have dreamed of. The forest cannot hide it. The mid-ocean shall take it from my hand and swallow it up forever. With these words, she advanced to the margin of the brook, took up the scarlet leather and fastened it again to her bosom. Hopefully, but a moment ago, as Hester had spoken of drowning in the sea, there was a sense of inevitable doom upon her. As she thus received back this deadly symbol from the hand of fate, she had flung it to infinite space. She had drawn an hour free breath, and here again was the scarlet misery glittering on the old spot. So it ever is, whether thus typified or no, that the evil deeds invests itself with the character of doom. Hester gathered up the heavy tressness of her hair and confined them beneath her cap as if there were a withering spell in the sad leather. Her beauty, the warmth and richness of her womanhood departed like fading sunshine, and a gray shadow, shadow seemed to fall across her. When the dreary change was wrought, she extended her hand to Pearl. Dost thou know thy mother now, child? 
asked she repro- reproachfully, but in a subdued tone, wilt thou come across the brook and own thy mother, now that she has her same upon her? Now that she is sad? Yes, now I will, answered the child, bounding across the brook and clasping Hester in her arms. Now thou art my mother indeed, and I am thy little pearl. In the mood of tenderness that was not usual with her, she drew down her mother's head and kissed her brow and both her cheeks. But then, by a kind of necessity that always impelled this child to alloy whatever comfort she might chance to give with a throb of anguish, Pearl put her her mouth and kissed the scarlet leather too. That was not kind, said Hester. When thou hast shown me a little love, thou mockest me. Why doth the minister sit yonder? asked Pearl. He waits to welcome thee, replied her mother. Come thou and entreat his blessing. He loves thee, my little Pearl, and loves thy mother too. Wilt thou not love him? Come, he longs to greet thee. Doth he love us? said Pearl, looking up with an acute intelligence into her mother's face. Will he go back with us, hand in hand, we three together into the town? Not now, my dear child, answered Hester, but in days to come he will walk hand in hand with us. He, We will have a home and fireside of our own and thou shalt sit upon his knee and he will teach thee many things and love thee dearly wilt thou love him wilt thou not and will he always keep his hand over his heart inquired pearl foolish child what question is that exclaimed her mother come and ask his blessing but whether influenced by jealousy that seems instinctive with every petted child towards a dangerous rival or from whatever caprice of her freakish nature pearl would show no favor to the clergyman it was only by an exertion of force that her mother brought her up to him hanging back and manifesting her reluctance by old grimaces of which ever since her babyhood she had passed a singular variety and could transform her mobile physiognomy into a series of different aspects with a new mischief in them each and all the minister painfully embarrassed but hoping that a kiss might prove a talisman to admit him to the child's kindlier regard bent forward and impressed one on her brow hereupon pearl broke away from her mother and running to the brook stooped over it and bathed her forehead until the unwelcome kiss was quite washed off and diffused through the long laps of gliding water then she remained apart, silently watching Hester and the clergyman, while they talked together and made such arrangements that were suggestive in their new position and purposes soon to be fulfilled. And now this faithful interview had come to a close. The dwell was to be left a solitude among its dark, old trees which their multinous tongues would whisper long of what had passed there, and nor mortal be wiser. And the melancholy brook would add this another tale to the mystery with which its little heart was already overburdened, and whereof it still kept a murmuring babble, with not a whit more cheerfulness of tone than for ages heretofore. And that was chapter 19. Now, uh chapter 18 and 17 had me all up in my feels this chapter did the same but instead of being heartwarming feelings i was kind of shocked to see how pearl was reacting because i was so sure that she was going to accept the minister because you know we as we've seen before she she likes the guy she wants to be with him 
as she was so persistent in asking like will you stand here with us again tomorrow and hold my hand but now she's acting all distant see this is why pearl is the most interesting character out of all of them because she's so unpredictable she saw that her mother was happy and she doesn't like it well i mean i can't really blame her because after seven years of seeing your mother in the same attire and like all gloomy seeing that might freak her out a bit so i understand but when i was reading this in the back of my mind i was like no pearl why and then when the minister kissed her forehead and she went to the stream to wash it off if it was like any other person i would have thought that was hilarious but since arthur is such a sensible person and i actually like the guy i felt so bad but it just kind of goes to show how interesting pearl's character really is because i mean is the how 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 she reacts to things it 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 still goes connecting back to the fact where last chapter in last commentary i said that hey pearl she's a good like the the forest recognizes as a good spirit so she must be a blessing to her mother but that doesn't hide the fact that she was born out of quote-unquote sin so there is some type of maliciousness to her it even says it every time when they talk about her gaze they say that there's some mischievous a little bit of malice in her gaze but it's not saying that she's inherently evil she's she's just a very she's a blend she's a mix between light and dark i'm saying that it's mostly light but there is some malice to her and we can see that through her reactions especially when she saw that her mother was experiencing joy for the first time she gets angry and she starts contortioning i think that's what they used in the book so it just goes to show the like the different temperaments and how pearl truly represents uh the balance between light and dark i'm saying mostly light because pearl's mostly a good character but um yeah that's that's it for this chapter analysis since it was so short and it was pretty straightforward there's not really much to analyze except for pearl's behavior uh this was a pretty short commentary but that's it i'll see you next time